Hey there, good people in crypto land. I'm Matt Lysing, and this is my podcast, Decent People. Welcome back to the conversation. Today, we're going to rebroadcast a Spaces episode we did with Alex Zozos, who is the Associate General Counsel at Coinbase. What we wanted to talk to Alex about um, on Twitter was the fact that he has a really interesting position where he served for many years as uh, the in the Division of Trading Markets at the SEC. And now he is the Associate General Counsel at Coinbase, as I just said. So what's, what's great here is that uh, the SEC sued Coinbase uh, back in June of this year, uh, alleging that it was offering unregistered securities and um, ipso facto was itself an unregistered securities exchange. That's against the law in the United States as, as far as the SEC is concerned. In August, Coinbase um, asked a federal judge to throw out the case. They said that the SEC had no authority to pursue its lawsuit because digital assets and services don't qualify as securities and that the agency had overreached. So we thought Alex would be a great person to talk to about this case because he's been inside the SEC and he's now at Coinbase. Uh, Other interesting things that we brought up was the recent court decision with Ripple where a court ruled that some of its securities, uh, some of its XRP uh, issuance that was done uh, in uh, on exchange did not qualify it as securities offerings. So that seems to bolster uh, Coinbase's account. And I also uh, wanted to talk to him about Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, who in September of 2021 wrote a really kind of uh, interesting and uh, provocative Twitter thread where he called out the SECs for some, quote, really sketchy behavior, unquote, um, and and thought that the agency was trying to lure industry participants into the SEC offices where it would then rather kind of turn on them and use anything they said in these quote-unquote informational interviews against them later in enforcement actions. So a lot of really interesting background. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Thank you for, uh, as always, for supporting us and make sure to follow us on Twitter at Decentral Media so that you can know when we are doing these spaces. We're trying to do them um, almost every week now. So we've got a lot of great people coming on and there's a lot of great conversations happening. Again, thanks a lot and hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey everybody, this is Matt Lysing again. I'm the editor-in-chief at Decentral Media. Thanks for jumping in on these spaces with us. Today, uh, I'm really excited to talk to Alex Zozos. He is the Associate General Counsel at Coinbase and um, also served at the SEC for nearly five years from 2014 to 2019 in the Division of Trading and Markets. So obviously for all of us in crypto, regulation is top of mind. Um, There's just been a lot going on in the courts. Uh, The SEC is trying to create rules through enforcement actions and a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are asking for Congress to do something, um, but the congressional process, uh, as, a, as far as crypto goes, as everyone should know by now, is, is very slow. And um, it looks like mostly focused on something like a stablecoin bill at this point. So um, with all that you know, being said, it's a great time to kind of get caught up on the case uh, with uh, the SEC. They sued Coinbase uh, back in June. Um, alleging that Coinbase uh, was acting as um, basically a securities exchange and offering securities for trade uh, without registering with the SEC. Um, so 
we're going to get into all of that with Alex and um, a lot of other interesting regulatory stuff that's going on. Um, but first, Alex, um, thank you for being here. And, and maybe you could just kind of jump in and say a little bit about yourself and maybe, you know, how you found yourself in crypto um, after serving at the SEC uh, back uh, about 10 years from 10 years ago or so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, for having me, Matt. Happy to be here. Uh, you know, every day in crypto is, is like a, a dog years in, in experience. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, how I ended up here, like almost all things crypto started around the, the, the great financial crisis. Um, I was supposed to be, and I always love markets and the dynamics around them, but uh, was hired by Bear Stearns. And, and by the time I started there, they, they no longer existed after graduating undergrad uh, and was able to start at, at JP Morgan thereafter and kind of got fascinated by the underlying backbone of regulations that, that belie our, our financial markets. Um, and so from there, that kind of motive, not really understanding how, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission could come in and say, you know, you guys cannot short any financial uh, firms going forward in, in a memo in, in the morning can kind of just come in and do something like that. I, not really understanding the, the basis for that kind of led me to go to law school and then thereafter to start uh, at the SEC. Um, and while at the SEC, I had a great opportunity to really see how the sausage is made and also really understand the inner workings of our secondary financial markets. Um, and, and while there, there was, you know, happening in tandem was the growth of, of Bitcoin and, and crypto at the time. And there was a push and a desire to use existing intermediary structures uh, to facilitate some of those types of transactions. And so there was a push in 2017 or so to really trade crypto and Bitcoin and the like on alternative trading systems. And around the same time, there was also a push for uh, using a traditional wrapper to facilitate uh, purchasing and selling of Bitcoin. And that was for those Bitcoin ETFs. And so I helped try to formulate and, and, and work on those issues, but you know, we never really ran those to ground or got to a place where, um, you know, where those were fully operational. But at the end of the day, that really helped inform and uh, guide my career. Uh, and, and I guess like some of the open-ended nature of the regulation is, is kind of what brought me back to Coinbase after I, I left the SEC for private practice. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, the, the technology itself, I think is just super useful and just taking a step back, you know, like understanding how our financial markets work today is really a derivative of or result of the technology that existed in the late seventies. And so I think the financial markets are, are primed to be updated. Uh, I do think it's useful to delineate between financial markets and securities and crypto assets uh, in the in a traditional sense. So I think those that's the paradigm that I look at, uh, but also you know continue to find very interesting. Yeah, that's that's great. 
Um, were you at Bear Stearns? I remember this um, covering the crisis at Bloomberg News. The day that, that Stearns went bankrupt, somebody taped a $2 bill to the front door um, because that was uh, <laughs> that was initially the price per share that J.P. Morgan agreed to buy Bear Stearns at. I, I believe it went up after that, but... Um, yeah, no. So I was actually still I was still in school at the time. I, w I had a, an outstanding offer that uh, I ha did okay. not really know what was going to happen. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, I mean, and, but like I stepped into uh, the prime brokerage business, which was, um, you know, was was a great was still something that JP Morgan found valuable. But it, you know, there definitely were a lot of disgruntled employees that had their life savings tied up and. Yeah, uh, the heritage bear stock. That yeah, and I, I had forgotten about the SEC coming out and saying that you couldn't short financial st uh, stocks during that time. That was that was crazy. Uh, yeah, and again, like that was like a morning memo, one page memo that was just kind of sent out to to everyone on the street. And uh, and again, like that's. I mean, that's again, just so antithetical to market. Like it's like, well, markets work only when things are are good. You know, I, I just don't understand that um, kind of thinking. Um, yeah, no, I think it was, I think that they definitely created some, of, I think as many people have opined upon, you know, some forms of moral hazard going forward. So. Yeah, for sure. And it, 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 yeah, it, it interests me that you, you mentioned, you know, that the financial markets are relatively outdated and based on 70s sort of era technology. Um I think COBOL, you know, is still used. It's a it's a software language uh, in in some some big banks at some parts of their operations. And I think I remember reading a couple of years ago that there's only like five or ten people left in the world that can write COBOL. So um, anyway, um, maybe we could just kind of like get into the SEC case um, against Coinbase. Um, you've been on both sides here, which I find fascinating. And um, I, I guess maybe I could sort of play devil's advocate here and say that you, you guys in, um, I believe in August, uh, basically asked the court to just throw the case out because you said that um, the SEC, you know, they don't have the authority here um, because digital assets are not, and services are not um, securities. Um if I could ask you, like, from your time at the SEC, what do you think they're thinking, and and how do you, having been at both on both sides, basically of this case, like, how do you, how do you come out, and then, and, and and where is, where is the SEC thinking coming from, in your opinion, on on making these broad sort of um, declarations that that all of these assets are in fact securities. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I'll, I'll preface and just say, you know, these are my views. These aren't necessarily Coinbase's views, and uh, definitely aren't the views of the SEC. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, dare to say to say that. But you know, just speaking from where I think they they might be coming from, um, you know, you know, crypto is highly popular, right, and a lot of retail has has latched on to to investing and purchasing uh, crypto, and so I think there's a, a desire, maybe maybe a paternalistic view as well. And like this is kind of comes back to like a philosophical level. It's like what is the role of the SEC and what is its purpose, right? And I, like from the onset, the role of the SEC wasn't to to 
you know, prevent uh, individuals from doing one thing or the other was it's pretty, you know, prescriptive in, in what it's supposed to do and how it's supposed to do it, right? So there's the tripartite mission, which is protecting investors, facilitating capital formation, uh, and uh, fair and equitable or, or markets. So there's there's this three mission, there's three tripartite mission, but like number one is protect investors. And I think that has kind of been conflated in a lot of different ways. And I guess the the way it's supposed to be, they're supposed to protect investors is 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 to provide disclosure. And and so like that is what their role is, uh, is providing useful and fair disclosure on securities, right? And so like I think what's happened is one, there's been a little bit of a perversion of what protect investors means. And I think that's kind of gone down a more paternalistic view than what's what should be intended. Um, and then two, it's it's this desire to kind of see an area where there might need to be some, some form of oversight. And I guess it's like the, the hammer uh, tendency, right? Like if you're a hammer, you, th you think everything's a nail. Right. And I think that's kind of what's happened here. There's an opportunity there's a, the, for some broader federal regulation and oversight of, of, of an asset class. And the SEC is looking to fill that void uh, through a, a, a more broad interpretation of what protecting means to, to them. And so like, I don't, th I, I think the staff of the SEC is fantastic. I mean, they're really great public servants that, that in, have the best intentions and really want to carry out the mission of the SEC. But I do think there's some misguided nature to think that something, you know, like that deviates from the definitional bases for where they get their authority. And so like these as we've seen in a number of court cases recently, a lot of these digital assets are not securities from a definitional standpoint. And so there is a little bit of a chasm there between from a federal regulation standpoint. Um, and so- Yeah, how did you feel um, in the Ripple case? How did you guys feel when you saw the judge ruled that basically XRP, which is Ripple's native digital currency, when, when XRP was sold on exchange, it was not a security because of many factors, but, you know, there was no, didn't meet many of the definitions of like, you know, expected rise in value and, and blah, blah, blah. How did you guys feel about that when you saw that? Yeah. I mean, look, I think that case is, is still ongoing to a degree. I mean, it's likely that the SEC is going to appeal. Uh, but, but regardless, uh, I think it confirmed a lot of what we've been out there saying, right? I mean, that, I mean, it's been said a number of different ways by a number of different smart individuals, but like oranges aren't securities, right? Like it's, it's the investment contract that, that creates the security. And so like when an XRP on its own is bought and sold in a secondary market, clearly that is not a security. And so it confirmed our view in that if you're looking to regulate an investment contract, there needs to be a contract as part of that. And that's either implied or explicit. And when there is not no contract, there is no, no security. And so 
I think, again, I think the SEC is looking to fill a void. I don't think they're doing it the right way. I think there's probably a need for congressional action to, to fill that void. But in the absence of that and, you know, the, the chair and the commissioners are, are, have, have charted an agenda and an approach that I don't think necessarily comports with their mandate and uh, their authority. Uh, and so we're working our way through that process to defend ourselves. Uh, and I think we have both the law and the facts on our side here. So maybe um, you could help me understand this a little bit better because maybe you could just compare like a share of Apple stock, which obviously is a security to say XRP, which is a digital asset. And why is one a contract, you know, where there is an expectation of certain things and why is one not a contract? Sure. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of nuance that needs to go into this. And like, this will sound like I'm putting back on the, my regulator hat, but like it's a lot of the facts and circumstances that underlie each of those, uh, you know, financial instruments. But, you know, one is an actual, you know, divi divisible share in a common enterprise, right? And it creates rights within that, you know? Yep. So like there's, there's voting rights, there's, uh, you know, profits derived that, that you, you know, the, yeah, there might be a right to a dividend. Correct. All of those things, huh. you know, happen and, and it's, it can get super complex, complicated, right? Because there are, you know, non-voting shares and various other things, types of securities that exist, um, that might not have all, all panoply of rights that you might necessarily associate with an investment contract, but nonetheless are. Uh, from either case law or, you know, historically have been accepted in that manner. Whereas if you look at XRP, none of those things exist. And it is more akin to buying something that can, you know, be used and or transferred, like such as a commodity or, or something like that. And so like, I think there's just different features and characteristics uh, that create that implied or explicit contract um, and so, and like, I, I also want to be clear too. I mean, not all digital assets are, are not securities, right? There definitely are some that are securities and have the characteristics of securities and therefore should be treated in a like manner, reflective of the underlying technology that, that supports them. So I think like looking at, both of those, they're, they're just, they are different. I mean, you, when you look in your account, maybe they, 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 they seem similar, but they have different rights and obligations and uses thereafter. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so prior to the lawsuit um, but from the, the SEC against you guys, you know, Brian Armstrong in September, 2021, he, he called out the SEC on Twitter for, you know, quote, some really sketchy behavior, unquote, and, and had a long thread about how he felt they weren't acting in good faith. Um, a lot of it, I think, was, um, you know, if, if I remember the gist of it correctly, he, he sort of felt like they got invited in to, by the SEC to talk about things, but then realized that, you know, they were gathering evidence against them and things weren't sort of on the level. Um, do you, how do you feel like things are 
inside of Coinbase now with regard to the SEC and whether they're, you know, somebody that you guys can negotiate with or feel like, you know, you've got a partner or not a partner, but, you know, is, is there good faith, um, in, in your opinion, coming from the SEC in this, in this instance? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely don't want to put words in, in anyone's mouths, especially not our, our CEOs. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think from my vantage point, and I think many uh, of my colleagues here, you know, we, we definitely view the SEC's job as being very difficult. And, the, you know, the overwhelming majority of, of staff to be, you know, honest, trustworthy, you know, well-intended public servants that are just trying to get it right. I think what's challenging, obviously, and I think this is challenging in all, all organizations, is is just trying to, you know, carry out those goals in in the vacuum, uh, away from political dynamics and ambitions and various other other things, and just trying to to, to kind of call the balls and the strikes. And engage and get the right answers, so so the public is is best served. I think the overwhelming majority of people at the SEC are doing that on a day in day out basis, and I think we at Coinbase recognize that. So I think it's you know there's there's obviously this this ongoing uh, litigation that we're respectful of the courts to carry out and adjudicate, um, but you know between whenever that happens and, and, and now, you know, we're definitely, you know, still very much hoping and willing to engage with the SEC uh, because, you know, I, th I think they're, they're looking to do the, the best that they can. And, and it's not just the SEC, it's various state regulators, the CFTC uh, and, and various banking regulators and, and then as well, global regulators. So I think, from Coinbase's vantage point, what we're looking to do is is engage with various stakeholders to ensure that they understand and uh, and you know make prudent and responsible decisions in applying it when when appropriate you know heritage uh, rules yeah. and regulations. When so when you were at the SEC, when you know. Because crypto isn't the only you know industry that kind of spars with with the, their regulator. Um, I can think of like Doug Sifu, who's the CEO at Virtu. Um, you know, he often kind of comes at the SEC about things like payment for order flow and 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 other decisions that are being made. But when you were inside there, did did those sort of public rebukes filter down to you guys? Or how was that taken within the agency? Yeah, I mean, look, I think. You know, whether you're a sandwich maker or, or a public servant, uh, you know, I think you try to do, do the best you can. And, uh, and so, like, I, I, I think that's, that's, that stands on its, on its own. I will say, I think the, the type of critique that's been laid out recently, right, is not alone to crypto, it spans the spectrum uh, within the financial services space. So I, I'd say, um, you know, there's a saying uh, that goes, you know, if you find uh, a jerk uh, 
once a week, you know, be happy you found, found that jerk, right? But if you find a jerk uh, every day, then, then you're probably the jerk. And I'd say uh, if, you're, if you're taking a stock of, of the landscape, I think there's a lot of uh, strife, I guess, that, that exists between people regula being regulated by the SEC in very recent vintage, you know, in the last three years. Uh, and I think that likely is a result of tone at the top and, and, and an agenda that's being set. So I think, I think there's a, an important uh, necessary yeah. step to, to, to delineate between the staff who's doing amazing work and various political motives that might not be coming directly from the staff. And then also taking stock of where the general, uh, you know, view of, of, of this regulator is right now. Yeah, I'll say it but if, if you don't want to, but Gary Gensler is at the top and um, he is not liked by all of Wall Street. Um, it, it's, there are many reasons why um, I think definitely part of that goes back to when he was at the CFTC and was able to get the over-the-counter derivatives market regulated under Dodd-Frank. Um, he, he won some pretty big victories there and, and pushed people um uh, he pushed for a lot, uh, I think, uh, outside of his remit, actually. Uh, yeah, that. And, and maybe I'll, maybe this will help crystallize it as well, right? Like, I think, um, I think on policy, right? Like, many people can have differing views and minds, and and that's 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 great. But but on process, I don't think you you can have uh, a you know a distinction there, right? Like, so process and policy matter. Uh, the policy you should differ on, and 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 that's why you have like the Administrative Procedures Act and various other forms of structure to allow for a fair process to play out. Uh, for but when you you ignore that process, and there's been numerous instances where that's kind of uh, unfolded, be be it you know short comment periods and and other things, uh, or not really engaging, right? Like we've sent the SEC uh, a petition for rulemaking uh, a little over a year now. And we're, again, what we're there, they're asking for is not necessarily explicit recommendations. What we're doing is raising concerns and issues for carrying out digital asset security type activity that just haven't been answered or addressed yet. So uh, yeah, I think as you alluded to, there, there's a history of really kind of ignoring that process um, and so like, regardless of where you stand on policy, I think there's, there's, uh, an unhappiness in, in the process that, that right now has been, been followed. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Gensler showed, you know, in the derivatives example, he pushed for execution rules in that market when, when nobody was really asking for that, what people were asking for was clearing and trade reporting, you know, that would have made that market a lot safer. Um, but he went an extra step with the trading, and that's when when Wall Street got really pissed off. Um, but is there, from your time at the SEC, is there a Chinese wall between the political staff, you know, the chairman and the commissioners, and the enforcement division, or is is there direction going from the chairman or certain commissioners towards enforcement about what they want to see, you know? like where the priorities lie or this is what we want to be doing. This is, you know, 
I'm Gary Gensler. I, and I'm not saying this is your, these are yours. I'm just saying I'm Gary Gensler. I think these are all securities. Uh, now here enforcement division go out and, and prosecute or, or start filing lawsuits. Yeah. I mean, I think I can only speak to like what I experienced in my time there. And I don't think that was the case when I was there. Right. And so that was, it was more, you know, I, I worked under chair white and chair Clayton and, and both of them were excellent chairs. And I, I have not had the experience under Gary. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think what, what the role of chair has historically been is, you know, set the tone, set the priorities, and then be as hands off as possible and be a bottom-up organization. And I think that has served the SEC very well over its 90-plus years in, in existence and has stood the, te stood the test of time in creating the greatest financial markets in the world. So I think to the extent that that's not happening and that we can maybe discern that that might not be happening, I think that's likely what's upsetting the apple cart and what's not allowing for, you know, uh, as thoughtful of a process to be carried out. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any update on the case right now? And I think the last I could find of it in the news was when you guys um, asked for the case to be thrown out. Uh, it's been a few months. Is there anything that I've missed there? Yeah, I'd recommend if, for those that are closely following, uh, I think following uh, our chief legal officer, Paul Grewal on Twitter is a, is a great way to get up to the up to the minute updates as far as what's what's happening and the latest i think uh i think we're expecting a hearing to be coming up on on the the case uh at some point in the future but yeah we've we've filed uh for a motion for judgment on the pleadings which is kind of you know and a tldr version is kind of saying what you said but kind of just outlining there's no uh, there's no contract and that we've previously, you know, had our business reviewed by the SEC and the like. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll have our, both well, of us will have our day in court and we'll, we'll see where things happen. Yeah. Can I ask you just like, that's a great point that I think sometimes people forget or, or gets lost in the shuffle. You guys filed an S1 to become a public company several years ago when you wanted to list shares. You, you're now a public company. You're publicly reporting. You're trading on, you know, the U.S. stock markets, and that that's an enormous thousands-page-long filing that you made with the SEC. Um, it seems is it odd to, 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 that they then came back just a few years later and said, "Hey, we think a lot of your business is is <laughs> basically illegal." Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think a hundred percent. That's a very odd uh, outcome especially uh, given the time, effort, review that went into uh, that, that submission and the back and forth that happened between... Uh, yeah, I mean, because they're up in your business with a fine-tooth comb over that stuff. I, I've, I've gone through those filings in the past, and they're enormous. Yeah, and look, I think they, they definitely say, you know, we, we have certain risk disclosures there, but, like, this is this is a different scenario, right? Like this would be our primary regulator if what they're accusing us of doing is actually the case. Uh, and so, so yeah, I mean, you can, <laughs> you can try and read between the lines there, but, but 
under one administration and there there was there was one result and under another administration there, there there's a, a different approach and you know like that seems quite arbitrary that doesn't seem to be consistent um so so yeah i think it's that is it, it i think that helps crystallize why this is so uh unnerving um but at the end of the day you know we we're confident in in both the law and the facts and we're just letting that play out in the court system. It, it does stink that it, that, you know, it's, it, it takes this long and, and that it, that, you know, that it kind of, it prevents some moving forward in, in other areas. Right. I think well, yeah, as sure. as it, getting, it introduces so much uncertainty. Correct. As yeah. far as getting clarity. So, so to the extent that that is happening like that, that stinks. But like at the end of the day, we got a, you know, I'm a big process guy, I guess, which is coming through here. Like trust the process. I, I'm also based in Philadelphia. So maybe that's also why I'm, I'm following back on that. But like, we're trusting the process We're we're moving through with that. And like, I think it's unfortunate that we have to do this because I think there it's, it's an aberration from normal process. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, it should self-correct and we should end up in a, in a better or, or in a good place. Do you think, um, we've, we've mentioned these before, there's the Ripple case, um, which, like you said, the SEC may be appealing that. There was the Grayscale decision um, about the SEC, you know, denying a spot Bitcoin ETF, but approving it for futures contracts, um, which they said made no sense. Um, if, And I don't know if you can answer this, but if you guys come out victorious in this case, is that enough, like, kind of, court action or legal decisions in favor of sort of what crypto is trying to do to sort of be a bulwark against more of the, this sort of capricious kind of activity by the SEC and other regulators? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a tough question to answer, right? Um, I think like, I think it takes a village, right? At the end of the day. And I think that's what you're seeing is slowly but surely as many of these cases work their, their way through they're, they're, they're showing that there, there likely needs to be additional action from, from Congress here. And I think that's where, where we'll ultimately end up, I think, is some form of congressional action to get further clarity or, and like more clearly delineate authorities and, and, and the like there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be like we saw market reaction to when the ripple case was decided uh you know there's strong when when the grayscale decision came out as well there was strong market reaction there and so like i think the market is is primed to 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 receive this information that being said i don't think like a court decision finding one way or the other in our case leads to clarity right i think mm -hmm. there, there still needs to be additional steps from there what i think it does do is it will uh like and we'll see what happens but we'll probably draw the lines in 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 a more uh accurate way yeah deriving from the authority that the, that the sec has and, and those lines can be redrawn right but those if you're going to redraw those lines those need to, that needs to come from Congress. Right, exactly. And that's that's a great segue into, um, you guys helped organize this group called Stand With, Stand With Crypto. Um, I think you had an event in DC last month that we covered. 
Um, were you involved with that? And, and is that how, how, how do you see that going? It's a, for people who don't know, it's a, it's a coalition of folks. Coinbase is, is one of them who are trying to basically just engage with, with people on the Hill in Congress, um, with aides, with, you know, representatives to educate them about crypto so that they can make, you know, informed decisions when things come across their desk. But is there any update to that? Or how do you, how do you think that is, uh, how do you feel about what, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, super excited about th that uh, initiative, right? I think uh, it's also auspicious timing given we're the day after uh, election day, speaking today, the day after election day. Um, but yeah, I think like the goal of the Stand With Crypto initiative is uh, is to really activate the, the 52 million US persons that hold or own cryptocurrencies. Right. And so like, that's a lot of people that in, in a lot of districts across the country. And, you know, we've put out a number of infographics and things like that, that show, you know, more people than are in unions, more people than own electric cars, et cetera. So it's like a large portion of people that, and, and what this initiative is looking to do is to activate them and to say, and to push back against some Congress people that uh, are either hesitant or uneducated uh, about the crypto space. And so that's, that's really kind of like the point is really to tr in, in true crypto fashion, I guess, provide some transparency, right. And then, uh, some coordination through a decentralized way, right. I, th is, I think is kind of what, what the, the campaign is looking to do. And so highly recommend anyone listening or anyone who listens to this to go to standwithcrypto.org, uh, sign up. There's a number of events. We've had events in Ohio. We're going to have an event in Pennsylvania coming up and various other states across the country. It's, and, and so like, yeah, the motivation is just kind of unpack that this is a new technology that should be, you know, fostered and cultivated uh, and educate the decision makers on the Hill about what, what that is and, and, and the risks and dangers of, of maybe getting that wrong. Um, and like you said, the, 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 the capstone or the largest event that we had thus far was called the Stand With Crypto Day in, in late September, where we brought a lot of builders and innovators in, in the space to the Hill to meet with, with Congress people. I think one thing that might be lost is, you know, Congress people are elected and, uh, and they're people like every, everyone else. And so like engaging with them and their staff is highly persuasive. And so again, just circling back, I think going to standwithcrypto.org, signing up and, and calling your congressperson or writing a letter uh, is a great way of really helping uh, move this forward. Yeah, because it's one thing to educate, you know, a lawmaker or his staff or her staff. But if you get a bunch of their constituents, you know, letting them know that this is important to them, that's going to get their attention probably more quickly or, you know, it's, it's more vital to them because, yeah. you know, that's, that's who they need to keep in office. A hundred percent. And, and like, I think one of the things that I, one of the great things that I think we've done from this is we've really lined up all of the Congress people and just kind of like what public statements they've made and, and, and where they, they stand on these various issues. And so I think that's a great way to provide transparency. And so you as a, 
as an individual, as a constituent, can really understand and, and advocate for or, or against wherever your congressperson is, is standing on these issues. So I think it's, agree 100% that I think it's a great way for, you know, this is, crypto is unique in the, in the sense of like how broadly distributed it is already. And, and so like taking advantage of that uh, is only going to be to the benefit of, of this future and burgeoning industry. Yeah. Just before we go, um, Alex, how are you seeing the broader regulatory environment right now? Like kind of zooming out of Coinbase and, and, and whatnot. Um, are, where do you, how do you see things going? Are you optimistic, pessimistic, or how are you viewing the, the sort of bigger picture? Yeah, I mean, definitely optimistic, right? I think um, I think the zoom out uh, call is is a great one, right? I think that that's that's something that's super useful given the uh, vast amounts of noise and news that that happens on a daily basis. But like zooming out, I think there's a lot to be uh, optimistic about, and I think like the you can even just take the types of discussions that are being had as an indication of, of progress that's been made. Um, I think that doesn't mean like it's clear skies and bubble gums and, and rainbows, but, but uh, like, cause I do think in part of the, the broader set of issues and slate of things that are, are needed need to be addressed. There's a lot of things that are happening in the world. Uh, but, uh, but that being said, I think from a regulatory standpoint, it's the conversation is fully shifted from, you know, like will this exist or like, is this a flash in the pan to like, how do we best uh, address these issues? And so like, I think that is huge progress in and of itself. Um, and so I think there's a lot more engaged Congress people and, um, and various policymakers, both in the U.S. And, and abroad, I think there's just been, like with Mika and other various jurisdictions, some great, um, some great pushes forward in getting some clarity, so that the killer use cases and the applications of crypto and decentralized type techn ledger technology can actually be unlocked because there's more uh, clarity on how they'll be treated from a regulatory uh, and legal perspective. Yeah, and uh, just to echo onto that, hopefully the US is getting, you know, its act together because the Bank of England has its act together. You know, regulators in Hong Kong have their act together. The UAE is, you know, creating digital asset free zones, you know, where they're, they're inviting startups to come. So this isn't slowing down overseas and um, hopefully the US doesn't get caught behind. Um, so, Alex, thank you so much. Um, you know, you're exactly the type of person we love talking to at Decentral. We're, we're all about the people who are building Web3 and the folks who are making sure that it's um, passing muster with regulators and, and, and obeying the law, but also, you know, advancing this amazing technology. So that's what we love to do at Decentral. Um, check us out at Decentral.io um, on the web. We've we put out a podcast every week. We've got uh, newsletters. And um, so, Alex, uh, just before we jump, is there anything else you want to tell people about, you know, where to find more info about Coinbase or about you or about any of the projects you guys are excited about coming that are coming up? Yeah, no, I mean, thanks. Thanks again, Matt, for, for hosting. It's uh, 
it's been great to, to get to chat. Uh, I, I would say, you know, definitely if you're interested in the space and haven't already signed up for standwithcrypto.org, uh, please do go there and get involved and help uh, press policymakers and, and Congress people to, to, to get this right and, and to show that this is a priority. And then, yeah, I think obviously you can follow me on Twitter, but I, I think our, our CLO, Paul Grewal, is, is a great follow to just know all things that are happening uh, in this space. Um, Do you want to yeah. spell his last name for folks? Sure. It's uh, P-A-U-W-L, and then his last name is G-R-E-W-A-L. Uh, in, in a weird twist of fate, the, the head of the SEC's Division of Enforcement and our chief legal officer both have the same last name, but do not have no relation to each other. Okay. <laughs> yeah. could make that up. Um, again, Alex, thanks so much. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, check back here. We're uh, going to be do more, doing more spaces at Decentral in the future. And uh, thanks again.